Hello, everybody, and welcome to something a little different here at Inside and You. This is a our mailbag. Uh, typically, we try and do these at the end of the month, but we figured with winter break coming up and not having done this in a while, it would be great to hear from your editors in chief via podcast. Just thought this would be a fun format. So, I, I'm I'm one of your hosts, Daniel Olinger, joined by the other two editors in chief of this great site, Ben Chase and Max Stone. How are you guys doing today? I'm good. It's uh. <laughs> It's a sunny day here in Los Angeles, California. Mac, what about you? Uh, I'm good. It is unusually warm here in Evanston, so holding down the floor here. Feels pretty good. In in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, it is. I have no idea what it's like outside because I have not let, left yet. <laughs> um, also, maybe a good question just to start with. Uh, we did get asked if we have any winter break plans, just with the phrase, I don't know, before it. Uh, any winter break plans, guys? <laughs> Thanks for the question, MN or MN Wildcat. Is it Minnesota Wildcat? Is it MN Wildcat? I don't know. But I, I mean, that, let's just go MN. Let's be MN Wildcat. Um, I, I mean, I'm going to the Chiefs Chargers tonight, so this podcast will come out after that. So hopefully, I'm still happy. Go Chiefs. I respect my 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 Los Angeles Wildcats, but go Chiefs for the night. Um, and other than that, just seeing people out here before heading back to Evanston before the new year. I will, uh, I honestly don't know. I'm doing nothing before Christmas. And I think on Christmas, like night, I'm headed down to Florida for a few days. So that'll be fun. Nice. Get warm weather. So mine is not too different from what I'm usually doing. Uh, a lot of basketball watching, mostly for the job. Also for my younger brother, uh, that's one of the things that's best about being able to get to see all of his games, see his team. Uh, actually, was at one of his games last night. If he could get more steals, he would have had like a five by five game that like Draymond has. So that would have been nice. <laughs> yeah, but uh, no, that's basically my plans for the winter break. And with that, we'll probably get into more of these, uh, maybe more topical questions. Uh, I think we're going to start with this one from INKB. Uh, what will it take for Fitz to make an offensive coordinator or defensive coordinator change? Are we in from a call tenure 2.0? Uh, anyone want to start on this one? I can go. Um, offensive coordinator, I, I, I don't know. I think if, if Northwestern's like identity has been its defense for quite some time, um, I think especially under Pat Fitzgerald, I mean, obviously under Mike Hankwitz, right? That's 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 what you could say is it's not necessarily under Fitz, it's under Hankwitz. But I, I think that if you saw, if you see a Northwestern defense uh, next year, that was the level of, of abysmal uh, that it was this year. I think that uh, that that Jim O'Neill's seat will get pretty hot. I don't know what it would take for Mike Bajakian's seat to get hot because I don't think that Fitz is like, I think... So long as it's kind of vibes with Mike Bajakian, I don't know um, whether or not he actually thinks like there's problems with the offense, which there evidently are. Um, I think like a lot of people have noted this, the offense might be more of a personnel issue, particularly at quarterback and potentially on the offensive line than anything else. I don't know if it's a scheme issue, whereas I think the skill and talent is there um, defensively. And if it's not, it's just not being coached up. Um, but I, I, I think that you, maybe you can pin not having a quarterback on the offensive coordinator, um, cause their job is to recruit a quarterback. But I, I think, I, I'm, I, I think Jim O'Neill's seat will get hot faster than Mike Bajakian's well, uh, particularly because of the goodwill that Mike Bajakian probably built up in 2020. Yeah. Like I would say the change would have to happen in a similar way to the Mick McCall change happened because that was several years of like meh performances uh, season over season till one disastrous year. Like it had always been like not that good, but Northwestern was good enough as a team that it wasn't killing them. So Fitz was fine. But until 2019, like, okay, the 2021 Northwestern team, I think overall ended up being worse than the 2019 team, but I don't think one unit was worse than the 2019 offense, which functionally could not work most of the season. I'd like they just I don't know. the offense was pretty bad. No, do, you, do you not remember we how close we were to like no touchdown November? That was almost a thing. Like, no, I remember that. I remember that. I they, was there. they they scored six points over three weeks combined. Like that was I, awful. Yeah. Again, like this it's not a quote, it's like comparing car crashes. They both sucked, but like it's not like one, but there was one that was a little more disastrous, at least for the offense. Again, the 2018 team was better because I think their defense was legitimately good. They just could not get anything from their offense. 
whereas this year had neither a good offense nor a good defense. So my, my, my point is like, if maybe, you know, I think if they had a third three and nine season in four years, I feel like they would make changes then. Cause that's like, then you're at. Oh, I agree. I agree. I agree. Like they need to get, if they, if the wins do not go up next year, there's definitely changes being made. Except not to Fitz, because I don't think they're ever going to get rid of Fitz. No, yeah, Fitz is, you know, like it or not, I think this is pretty untouchable at this point. Um, I mean, I, I, mean, I agree with both of you. I think the, the defense, like, I, I don't know how much – I say this with, like, crossing my fingers, but I don't know how much worse the defense could get. Like, it was terrible. It was really – I mean, there it can obviously get worse. Like, it wasn't like the worst – I don't think it was the worst in college football in anything, but we don't want to judge by that metric. Um so like I, I like it's tough to say, but like we never had like McCall when he came in, he didn't have this bad of a first year performance. You're like Ben said, he had a bunch of mad performances and then he was just really terrible. Like we were like bottom 10 and FBS in a bunch of categories. My, my so favorite, like I, I was just gonna say my favorite 2019 inept stat was that they were for less like, I think it was fourth to last and pass like every passing stat but the only three teams that are above of in every stat were the three triple option teams so yeah, it was the it was the worst of teams that were trying to pass the ball 2019 was the worst it was the worst passing offense in the country which is like pretty much yeah besides and you didn't I, have a, I, you know what I'll, I'll go back on what I said by the way you didn't have a running game like you do this year like I yeah. there was no Evan Hole because Isaiah Bowser was hurt and 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 the one game that there was a really dominant running performance was from Evan Hull against UMass. Against UMass, exactly. Which, if you're saying where can the defense get worse, I specifically remember that UMass team gave up 84 touchdowns in 12 games. So that's always the yeah, but they're UMass. How bad can it be? Yeah, I I don't I don't want to go. I really reach UMass levels of suck. That would be terrible. I know. I'm just saying, if you want to know what the absolute worst a defense can do is, that might be it. Just like. That's yeah. the ba- that's the basement we're putting and here. And I, I think we need to look at. I mean, like next year, Northwestern will have a legitimate backfield. They, I mean, they did this year, but next year is going to be. I mean, Andrew Claire is coming back. Hopefully, Cam Porter will be back, and he hopefully will. he'll be. Cam Porter will be back. Cam Porter will yeah, be back. I, I, and I, I mean, I was, you know, Ben. I know you were very high on Cam Porter coming into this I season. Am, I um, mean. Although Hull's still good, I will say that. Hull's better than Hull is, I really enjoy watching that's Hull. That's actually probably an interesting question. What do you think they do with Hull and Porter, considering Evan Hull was their best like, offensive player pretty much most of the year? I think I, and, uh, I think Anthony Tyus is going to get the uh, – well, he's not going to get the boot, but he's not going to – I don't think he'll see the field. He might. I, like, think, I don't – I think it's situational. I think, like, I, think, I, think, I think Porter will be the lead back um, because I just – like, especially if there is – if, if the offensive line struggles remain, which I think they, for the most part, will, because there's nothing really suggesting that the offensive line is going to get markedly better. Um, Cam Porter is a better back to deal with a, a crap offensive line. Um, he just powers through contact, I think, better than Evan Hole does. Evan Hole is better maybe in open space than Cam Porter is, but I think Cam Porter is more of a bruiser, uh, per se, than Evan Hole. Um, but I think situationally, you're going to see – so I think it'll be those two at the top with Porter getting the majority of the snaps – um, and then I think you're going to see uh, Tyus, Claire, uh, just Joe Hyman, who I'm very excited to see maybe in, in four games. I think he'll retain his red shirt because Fitz loves doing that and there's no real reason to break it. Um, but I think he might get some snaps um, depending on the situation. I think it's going to, I mean, like in terms of units I'm optimistic about for next year, I think their running back room is absolutely loaded. I'm optimistic about the running backs, but this like goes to the problem, like, why people talk about running backs the way they do is just like it's hard to use all of them at the same time so when you could say that what is it I think Holland Porter with Stefan Robinson leaving is are their two best returning skill position players and you could honestly make an argument for Claire as the third depending on how you feel about some of the receivers just, oh yeah, yeah like I'm saying it's like a bad thing like you could argue for it like three of their best returning skill position players are all running backs but you can basically only use one of them at a time and it's just going to be option team. Northwestern should become a triple option team. There's, there's my take. Teach Evan Hole, yeah, no, teach Evan Hole how to like do the pitches and just have the three running backs on the field all at the same time. We're just start Jack Lausch. He's mobile. And- I, literally, uh-huh. I, think, I think we'll see a ton of the Wildcat next year, whether you like it or not. I think like with the way this offense is developing, with the lack of 
I mean, there's the wide receiver talent just isn't going to be there. I don't which, think. Which sucks that, that we had they had Stephon Robinson this year who was really good. Exactly, yeah. it was great. And it sucks that they they sort of wasted him. But people kind of slept on how good of a year Malik had. Malik put up almost. I am. Oh, I, I really Malik. No, Malik is like he's a I, Big I, Ten caliber receiver, but he's nothing like Stephon. Was like the one who was an above average Big Ten receiver, which is Kurt has speed. I mean, yes, Stephon Robinson had a like had had top tier speed and very good hands, and I don't think that there's anybody who combines those two things on this offense. Great. But I think that you have top tier hands with Malik and top tier speed with Bryce Kurtz, and and maybe you make it work. Oh, I'm not oh, too worried. Are you about saying that. top? What do you mean when you say top tier? Because like again, like they're both they're guys. Yes, you put you put them on other Big Ten teams. I'm pretty sure they're just guys in the room. Who are I don't like, know yeah. about other. It depends on which other Big Ten teams. If you put them on Michigan or Ohio State, yeah, PSU where they've got good wideouts, then yeah. If you put them on Purdue, Illinois. well, Purdue's actually got great wide. Purdue's got Purdue's got awesome. Yeah, Purdue's got great wideouts. I don't know why I chose Purdue, but yeah, it's like the one school you got. And they start because Nebraska. I mean, they're their top wide receiver is leaving after this year. Um, obviously, it's irrelevant to the question, but I I just think that. Yeah. I love how the, the original question that we sparked from this was, was what will it take Fitz to, to, to make a, an OC or DC change? Um, do you want to switch kind yeah, of? Yeah, we should we're talking move on to the next question here. Yeah. yeah. So just like another one from Ian. What is the status of a QB via transfer portal? Is Holinsky QB1 going forward? Um, I mean, I don't think any of us know like a qu- what quarterback did I get? I know uh, we just had a piece go up on the site from our own Bradley Locker looking at a bunch of potential quarterback prospects in the transfer portal uh i mean i would say yes helinski of the guy if they can't get anyone it's helinski but i have to think of how bad it was this past year if they get someone who like has i think if they get someone it's probably because they want him to start but i I mean i I could definitely be wrong about that i agree i mean i of the options that are presently there i think helinski is the most sure of a thing i could see and I know this is going to catch some hot takes, but Clayton Thor- Thorson started as a true freshman, and obviously he was more of a heralded recruit than Jack Lausch. But Pat Fitzgerald seems to like Jack Lausch quite a bit, and Pat Fitzgerald likes his guys. If there's anything I know about Pat Fitzgerald, it's that he's going to play his guys. That said, I still think that Ryan Holinsky is the guy. I do think that they are going to try and get a player, uh, a quarterback, particularly through the portal, particularly because there are so many quarterbacks in the portal um and and because Fitz has kind of talked about yesterday in his presser he he said we're gonna use the the transfer portal to to plug and play uh to get us back to a championship level I don't think they're back to a championship level without a change at the quarterback position and so I I have to imagine that part of that change will be at at QB um but I I, if they can't get one then yes Ryan Holinsky is is the is the presumption the, the the presumptive QB one um, until otherwise proven. Go Jack Lash. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, I mean, I'm I'm on board. I mean, I, yeah. After watching some Jack Lash tape, I'm I'm kind of on board with the idea of. I mean, I like look. If it's, I think Helensky's the the likely starter next season, um, barring a transfer from the portal. And there are a ton of transfer quarterbacks out there. Everyone is transferring now. Um, like literally everybody. It's kind of crazy. But I, I, like, if the season isn't going how they planned, and I know you want to save a year of eligibility for Lausch and you don't want to risk injuries, whatever. But if the season isn't going how you planned and you have a few games at the end of the year, like you're not bowl eligible, well, hopefully they'll be within bowl eligibility by the end of next year. But if it's not looking likely, I'd say throw him in. Why not? You can retain his eligibility, I think. And you have the opportunity to give a guy good ex- conference play experience. And if you're really high on him, to see how he can do freshman year why not I, I don't I mean barring injury I don't see much risk there unless Holinsky no, yeah. has like really improved yes that's what true. I'll say like if Holinsky's improved you have a chance to actually win some games next year with him um if, if, if Holinsky and other things have improved I don't think that like you, you can't just solve the quarterback position and return this team to being like a contender for the Big Ten West and you also probably just can't just solve the defense as a whole and we'll just call the defense the defense um, and, and, and return it to being a big time uh, West contender uh, on its own. If Holinsky is markedly improved, I think you kind of have to play him. Um, if he's not, I'm all for building Jack Lash. I think that 
by his junior senior year, we're talking about someone who could probably be a pretty polished guy. He's, he does stuff. He does stuff that is impressive. Like, 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 is he going to be consistent? Is he, he doesn't have an offer from anyone other than Indiana state. I was about to say, you guys are underestimating how unbearable both Northwestern and Notre Dame fans will be online. If a form, a guy who was planning to walk on at Notre Dame starts at Northwestern as a true friend. I, I just, I, I don't want to have to read those tweets, Ben. Twitter is not a real place. Like ultimately, if, if, if Jack Lausch can spend time on it, Jack Lausch can get can get Northwestern back to Indy at any point in his career, which I believe with the right development. I've, I've, I'm, I'm just saying I've looked at the tools and I've looked at high school players, and yes, high school players make crazy one-off plays every now and then. Jack Lausch has a highlight tape full of plays that you see a guy make once in their high school career potentially. I'm not saying that he is a sure thing in any way, shape, or form. I am saying that if Ryan Holinsky isn't improved and you haven't gotten anyone through the portal, is he worth a shot at developing? Sure, everything's worth a shot at that point. I, I mean, I just, I, I, I'm usually a big pessimist and I doubt like many of the quarterback recruits they've run in are going to be terribly great. Again, like, I mean, it's limited to the three years I've been here at Northwestern, but like, the one guy that's worked is the one they brought in who had proven for three years he was a good Big Ten starter. That was about it. That was about it. He was a serviceable Big Ten starter. I mean, Peyton was like, Peyton got, didn't he get third team all Big Ten that I year? Think it might have been honorable mention. I don't think he was third team all Big Ten on the way. He was, he was, he was third team all Big Ten, I think. He, I, think he, I think he was the, now this is more of a comment on how bad the West quarterbacks were that year. He was probably the best quarterback in the West. In oh. oh, when he was at Northwestern, he was. Well, let's think. I mean, Graham Mertz was great until Northwestern played him. Exactly. Graham Mertz uh, sucked after Mike Hankwitz like broke his brain. Yeah. So, so Graham Mertz got broken by Northwestern. Um, not, not on Illinois. Not on. Not I Adrian Martinez. On Martinez. I don't think. Not Purdue, Illinois, yeah. See, I think that's what I'm saying. I think Peyton, Oregon was not good. Northwestern somehow, after like having the worst quarterback play possible in 2019, brought in the division's best quarterback in 2020, and that was yeah. the big difference. Speaking of Adrian Martinez, I know he's in. He's in the portal. Yeah. I know this is like yeah, but he looks question. like he he, he I, I I'm skeptical. He looks like he's having a good time at Kansas State. And honestly, Same. as someone who's been to Lincoln, Nebraska, and also knows of what Manhattan, Kansas is, it's a good, it's a much better fit than than okay. in Illinois. That's what I'll say. Like you it know. makes a lot more no, sense. I'm not. I mean, I wasn't even speculating. I was just curious to hear your guys' thoughts. He is in the portal. I I I for one would not be mad. I would not be mad. But I, no, I wouldn't be mad really, at all. I'm gonna really run the triple option then. <laughs> I'd love no. it. Let's do it one last full circle. I mean, when you talk about Twitter, it would yeah. be full circle. Let's do one last one for Ion. This can, this can be just like a short one. Is Brandon Joseph exploring the draft? Sounds like he could be a second or third round pick. I mean, we've Doesn't done some. Like what you say, Ben? Does not seem like it. Yeah, from reading tea leaves, it seems like he's probably coming back. And I honestly just I don't think he would get picked in the second or third round. It's not saying he isn't good. I still think like. Again, BJ, complaining about Bijo like would be is just like you're focusing on the wrong things. Like, yes, he had a worse year. He still was not the problem with this defense, or one nearly one of its biggest problems. He and like yeah, that it was just bound to happen when he got to play with better players the year before and turnover regression really like like he was the Iowa of individual players as a freshman, where it just seemed like yeah. everything was bouncing his way. And, his, and he, of course there's some plays like the interception, of the big 10 championship, that's just him being a freak. That's an amazing play, but yeah, some yeah. of them it's like just right place, right time. And that's not going to happen every year. So I, I think he's, I think he's probably coming back from everything we've seen. He reminds me, and this is, oh, I don't even know if this is an accurate comparison, but he, he reminds me a bit in terms of like turnover reliance of like Trevon Diggs on the Cowboys because Trevon Diggs has like I mean purely turnover alliance like Trevon Diggs is he's a he's a great corner obviously and he's an NFL talent I mean he doesn't I don't know his coverage stats I don't know the Cowboys well enough he can't cover. He's, he's he's not he can't cover he bets on interceptions all the time so it's either a pick six that's, or a touchdown in terms of turnover reliance like I think part of B. Joe's like regression this season because he did regress this season was because he he just wasn't like some of his turnovers last season, like you guys said, were, it was because he was a freak, but a lot of them were because he was in the right place at the right time. 
and so when there's that turnover regression, like you don't, he, he didn't perform as well because he just, he was too reliant on turnovers his, his freshman year. Yeah. So he's like, forced to coverage more this year. That's what I'll say. First of all, yeah. just to answer the question, um, he tweeted at a transfer who he played in high school with that like obviously the transfer didn't end up coming to Northwestern. I forget what his name is. I think he ended up going to Minnesota, but he like suggested that he should come so that they could reunite and play together again, which suggests that he's coming back. He was included in yesterday's uh, videos for national signing day, uh, which it seemed like they were having like current players do. So again, it, it seems like, like, like the signs and also like most people who are declaring for the draft and are playing on a team that like, isn't in a bowl game have already done so um, or, or so it seems at the very least. So uh, if, if he, could he be exploring the draft? Yes. Do I think he's declaring for the draft? No. As for why his play regressed, he was forced into coverage more. You had, I mean, you had Greg Newsom pretty much shutting down one side of the field regularly. Um, and then I think like the other corners were decent. And then J.R. Pace was a more solid corner. I think like, Coco Azuma, very solid tackling safety, very solid, like stopper doesn't let up a ton of big plays on the ground in front of him. He's not as good of a coverage corner or safety as J.R. Pace. I also have to remember that Coco didn't like start to the second half of the season. It didn't start to the second half of the season. It was, uh, it was, what was his name? Bryce Jackson. Uh, Bryce Jackson. Yeah. So I, I, I think that yes, Brandon Joseph relies on turnovers a lot. Um, I think he's not just a turnover safety, but I think he is a lot stronger when he's forced, keyword forced, in the coverage less. And I think he was forced into coverage more this year, and that did not play as well to his strengths. And also, I just think that, like, the Northwestern defense as a whole was more exploitable in 2021 than it was in 2020. And when, like, the wide-open plays are there, um, I think that it's harder to, to, to create picks because you're going to force less bad throws, which, in turn makes it harder to pick the ball off. Um, I think that he'll have a better year in 2022 though. I like if, if the defense improves, so too will be Joe uh, is, is my guess for 2022. Mm-hmm. For, moving on, we're going to go to our next question. I think the one we all agreed was probably the best question. We got really loved this one. Um, if all 14 big 10 football jobs became vacant at the same time, what order would they rank from most to least desirable? Thank you, NU06er, for a fantastic question. Um, I think I'm just going to start on this one because I ranked all these 14. You guys can start yelling at me if I'm wrong, but we'll just go. No, but you go all the way through, and then I'll, I'll, I'll yeah. try to go all the way through. I'm, I'm, okay. I'm going to write this out because I haven't written it down yet. Okay, so I'm going to start with like which ones I – so starting at the jobs I think are the best and then going down to the ones I think are the worst. You, you can help me if you want, but I think unquestionably Ohio State's the best job. I think Michigan Some is people would say Michigan. Some people would say Michigan. I'm going to say Michigan number two, and I think there's a large gap after Ohio State and Michigan. Those very two, two best jobs. Large gap. I have Penn State three. Four, I have Wisconsin. Five, Michigan State. Six, Nebraska, which, I mean, it's contentious, but I do think you're getting a lot of resources there. And, I mean – there are people who want that job because it does mean something to some people in college football. Seven, I have Iowa, which Iowa is weird just because it's been Ferentz for so long now. We, it's hard to remember what they were like without him. Eight, I have Minnesota, because this is where it's starting hard. And then, so nine through 12, I also put in bold with question marks because you could honestly flip nine through 12 to me, like in any direction. I don't know what to say because I had Purdue at nine. Illinois at 10, Northwestern at 11, Indiana at 12. But again, like you could tell me and either of those four flip around and I really, I don't know to do what to do with nine through 12. I'm like, they're all very similar jobs to me. And then I think 13 and 14, one and two, I was super comfortable if that's Ohio State, Michigan, no doubt about it. 13, I have Maryland, 14, I have Rutgers. And I think those are pretty, pretty just like, I think Rutgers is a bad job. <laughs> like, so that's about it. All right, let's, let's hear the yelling. What, what, what did I do wrong? I mean, I or did Ben Ben might have frozen. Um, <clears throat> I would. He doesn't look like he's moving. Anyways, I I mean, I overall I, I agree. Look, I the one. This is gonna be a hot take. I don't think. I think, after every year, like as Nebraska just keeps performing, or just keeps like, I don't know. Every year they come in with high expectations. I think 
and every year they don't reach those expectations. Yep, Ben is gone. Okay, Ben will rejoin us. He'll, he'll be back soon. Um, but every year Nebraska seems to come in with these high expectations, and every year they seem to just end up like they don't they don't reach them. Um, so I think every, every year that happens with no, each, I, year, which, I, I, I think it becomes a less desirable job. I think you're right. It's like not great, but like tell me which jobs are like the five jobs I've had. No, like which job? Yeah. Which job That's behind better. them is better? Like, is Iowa a better job than Nebraska? How? I think. I think at this. I mean, look. So we, we literally don't know what they look like without Ferentz, which is worse than Nebraska. Before I like Nebraska, at least has true. different coaches. That, like Iowa just is that man at this point. Which that's true. And I think Nebraska has the better. I mean, I don't know much about Nebraska and Iowa facilities, um, but I would guess Nebraska has better facilities. I know in terms of recruiting, at least for like the farm boys, they're pretty similar. Like they get those those big guys who want to stay close to home, and I mean that's why. I was so good with like offensive lines, you know, the same with Wisconsin and stuff like that, but whatever. Um, yeah. I mean, I, you're right. I just think the gap between, like you said, the gap between like Ohio state, Michigan, and then everybody else is huge, I think, or at least sizable. I think Penn state is probably third considering their success. Um, well, maybe Where I, Where I had Wisconsin five Michigan state, which honestly okay. you could tell me to flip those. And I, I don't, I, I, like, I think I, I think Wisconsin. I think yeah. I don't know. Honestly, it's really tough. I should have written this down beforehand. I think Wisconsin you're right. And Michigan State are like are similar. It's just like they're always going to be right at the moment. Where I think you could be right at the second tier of college football where you're making great bowl games. But I don't think my basic kind of is like with Ohio State, Michigan, and I'll put Penn State in there. Yeah. They're the three. I think Ohio State obviously, and then Michigan now, and like Penn State. I think in the best scenario could win a national title. Like you could talk me into. This is how their program is national. I don't think you'd tell me that with any other team. Yeah, and I think I, I mean, look, I, Wisconsin's success has has been very limited to the last twenty to thirty years. Like they were really, really bad prior to Barry Alvarez coming in. Oh yeah. Um. So like, in terms of history, you don't have as much there with Wisconsin. Can I just hear book? I I, I cut out for the last. Yeah. No, you're good. Don't worry. Um. Can I get We're, both of your full lists and then I'll give mine? I don't, I don't know my full list. I, if I had to just go, go off the top of my head, I'd say Ohio State one, Michigan two. Um, and then there's a gap. I'd give it Penn State three, like Dan said. I think Wisconsin and Michigan State are inter- interchangeable four five. This is where I get really confused because I was talking about how I don't like the Nebraska job as much anymore. You're talking Nebraska versus Iowa in a very cursed conversation. Yes, it's terrible. Um, but I was saying, like, after you know, I think Nebraska comes in with these super high expectations every year, and they don't seem to reach those expectations, and they haven't for the longest time. <laughs> um, and I think, like, if you're happy a Scott Frost day, by the way, yeah, happy yeah. Scott Frost day. Happy Scott Frost day. <laughs> um, look, I think if you're a coach, obviously that job is still desirable purely for like Nebraska is a. I don't think they're they're not a powerhouse anymore. Obviously, Ben might have frozen again. Um, no, he's good. I, I don't think they're a powerhouse anymore. I don't think – like, I know coaches want that because of the history and the facilities and whatever, but, like, it's a it's a tough job now. Like, you have to turn around a program that has super high expectations. And I don't think that's – that's not an easy thing to do at all. And there's a fan base that will love you or they'll hate you. Well, so I think there's a lot to consider. Okay, I'm going to go just top to bottom. Go for it. And, 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 and run this down. And I have explanations for everything. Uh, my one and two are Ohio State and Michigan. I think you could flip the two, and I could you could argue either way. But I, I disagree with that. But just continue. No, I think Ohio State obviously has been the more successful program in recent times. I just think that, I think like, I think proving it under, either is going to be pretty easy. I think people just underestimate how much money Ohio State pours into that program. Right, but Mich- Michigan Michigan athletics has a ton of money, and they've got true. really good facilities, and they like 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 and 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 you can make some of the same academic argument and alumni networking argument for people who aren't going to make the pros um, as, as, as you perhaps can at Northwestern without some of the academic, you know, I think difficulty um, of getting in potentially. Well, you, know, and all that. you know, it's like, I'm, I would still say, but like, it, it but I put Ohio State at the top. I put, I put Ohio State at one. And the thing is, it's very clear. Ohio State, Michigan, like it's always been in the big 10 are the two best jobs. They're the yes. two teams of the conference. Yeah. I agree that there has been a jump. I would then go with Wisconsin because I think that, generally that is a 
a happy-go-lucky fan base that unless they're very don't... happy to go ten and two every year. They're incredibly happy to go ten and two and lose in the Big Ten championship every year. That is an honor. And you can do that at Wisconsin. More will not be expected of you. And so I think that and and I do th- all- I do think that's yeah, a great point about the fans because Penn State fans are notorious for like we are going to kill James Franklin after because now to be fair James Franklin does make mind-boggling fourth down decisions like which it, it is like that but it's also like Paul Chris it, can't recruit yeah. and and like he hasn't really caught like I but I guess we can cause he, he hasn't caught shit for that ever so like. I, I would go Wisconsin at three, Penn State at four. I agree that you could probably toggle with those two. I would go Iowa at five. Wow. Over Michigan then, State? Here's why. Iowa will never be little brother in its own state. As much as Iowa State has moved up, Iowa is not little brother in Iowa. I don't know, man. Michigan State terrible. like actually won some important stuff. Iowa it has. Iowa just is little brother in the state of Michigan Iowa just waits for years when the West is really bad and then loses it loses in hilariously horrible fashion in their bit like this I year like- Big Ten championship or what about that Rose Bowl against Christian McCaffrey and Stanford where Stanford basically like cut off their heads on national TV it was like horrific. The, the question asked as it was was if every job became bacon as one what uh, at once what what are the most desirable jobs if I'm looking at Iowa and I know the program's identity. And I just generate like I, I as a coach would rather basically like not own but run the state that I operate in as a state school than be second fiddle, which Michigan State undecidedly is in the state yeah. of Michigan to Michigan to, to, to Michigan. Um, I then put Nebraska. I think Nebraska is a fan base where as long as they like you as a person your job is relatively secure obviously like scott frost exceptionally so because he did a lot for them as a player and so i think it's earned him a lot of goodwill as a coach um undeserved goodwill but but goodwill nonetheless i agree that it gets like murkier from there on out but i again for the same reason i like iowa like minnesota at eight um because i think eight is eight is right for minnesota like i I think it's a good state i i think northwestern is nine uh facilities Wait, yeah, so can we I talk think, about this though? The like that four teams section I had between Purdue, Illinois, Northwestern, Indiana. Like, what do we I got think? Purdue at 13. So, okay, like, what do we separate those teams? Because that's why I'm like trying to think what the difference is, like, in those jobs. I know there's like a t- little it's difference, but they all seem like below average, below average power five jobs. Here's the thing about Indiana and Purdue you are never, ever, ever going to be the program in your state, ever. You in the state of yeah, Indiana, it'll, it'll be Notre Dame, and then a lot, and then like six feet of crap, and then you, and <laughs> like, 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 like. So I think that Indiana still probably is is preferential to Purdue. Um, I think they've got better facilities. I I, I just generally think like they probably have I, more well, success in the pros. Well, can, I guess. That, can we explain them why Purdue's like always been better than Indiana at football historically? Like I feel like that matters. That yeah. Purdue. I mean, I, I I do think the Indiana. I think both Indiana and Purdue are basketball schools, yeah, uh, but no, I think that Indiana is more so a basketball school historically than Purdue is. Definitely. Um, so like you could go, you could have a bad season at Indiana and be fine with it generally. Yeah. Like, like, okay. I, which I think is like a good, like if I'm a coach, part of this isn't just prestige and money. Part of this is like, Oh, I'd like to have a job if I don't have a good year. Um, and I think that both places you're, you're, you're relatively likely to do that. But I think Indiana, uh, I think more likely than not. Maryland, Purdue, Rutgers is tricky for me. I have, I have Illinois right behind Northwestern because I don't think that either really – first of all, I don't think any school really has, like, Illinois locked down. I think Illinois exports players to everywhere. Um, and Northwestern's done a better job of that recently, but it seems like Brett Bielma is, is focused on that. Maryland's an enigma. Rutgers is, is last. You said um, you – it's just a bad job. It's a bad job. Yeah. Yeah. What would you say, Matt? Um, you said you have Purdue at 13? I do. So you have Maryland at 12. I have Maryland at 12. And like, so I, I think that the two yeah, are, I, I don't really, like, I, I think 11 through 13 are pretty similar level jobs. Like, I agree with that. Yeah. I, I think that like Maryland's a school, at, like overall, I think like, I've never seen Maryland fans as like particularly fearsome. I've never seen Maryland as like a, 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 a recruiting hub. I don't like. I guess the DMV has Maryland like Maryland fans like to imagine that they're an incredible recruiting hub and that they could, if the right coach could unlock it. But there's a reason it's always just like DMV. 
the DMV has a lot of football talent. I, I know. I'm just saying Maryland is Maryland has a fan base that always like theoretically thinks they could be great. And there's a reason they never have been. They're in the East. Like it's tough. I I, I agree that like that yeah. is that is tougher. But I also just don't see Purdue getting to a Big Ten championship game. I know that that's like they've gotten I, closer I than Maryland has. Speak, but like I don't see it happening. I mean, they have Aiden O'Connell coming back for his like 14th year of eligibility next year. So who knows? My AOC. And um, I mean, it does. I it's, obviously my AOC. it's obviously different because Jeff Jeff Brom is like the what. He's the most successful coach Purdue's had in a good bit now. But, like, I mean, Purdue has brought in really good talent, like, for them the last few years. Like, again, Karloff, this is a stud. He's going to be a first-round pick. David Bell, fantastic receiver. Milt, we, we saw A.J. Hampton bite on four double moves in a row from Milton Wright. Like, they have Milton Wright was their third wide receiver last year. Yeah. Hey, Milt, and I, I remember watching <laughs> Milton. I thought he was really good. I think Milton Wright is really good. Like they I think Milton Wright would be wide receiver one in Northwestern. So, oh, yeah, like, no, yeah, Milton oh, Wright. Not this year, not this year, but next year. Next year, 100%. Yeah. No, no, He's also going to be wide receiver one at Purdue next year, though. So, yes. My point is just that Purdue, like, at least they have proven now, like, they can bring in some talents. Like, they're not an untalented program at this oh, point. No, yeah, they have. I, I mean, I think it, it really exploded with Rondell Moore. Um, yeah, Rondell was the key. Like, like, I, I think, think, think Rondell was, was, yeah. Yeah, like especially like way back when there was a guy named Drew Brees. Like that that too. Drew Drew wasn't a high recruit, is like the thing. Like Rondale in the modern era was like, oh, they can land a five star like that. Like we didn't know Purdue could do that. Yeah. Yeah. Anything Um, else to add on this one? No, I think we're good. Yeah, I think I think we pretty much talked a lot about that one. Uh ooh, here's a great question. Does Pete Nance play Clash Royale or Clash Royale as I struggled to read that? I am powerful, powerful. I don't Anything. know. Who knows? We'll have to ask him in a, in a post-game I guess, I guess I'll ask him at a presser. If, yeah. if, if, get him at a press. It's going to be, I'm going to get the weirdest look from that guy. He's going to be like, what the hell are you talking thank, about? Thank you, like, thank you, Sloth Astronaut, for that powerful if, question. If we, if we bring up Charlie Hall in the question, he'll probably be like, "Did okay, wait, hang on. My timing is mixed up. They overlap. They did overlap at Northwestern, right? I think by like a year. By what, a year. So I think he, the freshman year was Charlie senior. Hold on, let me look this up. What was Charlie on the 2018-19 team? Because that was Pete Nance's freshman year. That would have been the chance. I think he was. This is great audio. I want to say he was. This is this is this is high quality audio. Uh, he better. played on in the 2018-19 team. So yes, Pete Nance. So they did overlap had, by one year. Had one year of overlap. Better question: Do either of you play Clash Royale? I don't, and I really no. don't know what it's about. I don't, but I, I mean, like, it's it's like any battle royale game, I assume, but it's Clash of Clans. So nice. that's that. I, I know what Clash of Clans is. I know what battle royale games are like. I've played Fortnite. I don't play Fortnite. I'm not admitting to that. I will. I refuse. I refuse to, to do that to myself on the internet. Ben, inside and use best Fortnite player. No, no, I'm bad. I played Fortnite mobile. That's how you know that I didn't really play I, As someone who has played Fortnite and has recently played Fortnite, I, I will admit to it. Oh, outing himself. Um, I, I will admit to it. Um, I will take on the 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 challenge of being inside and use best Fortnite player. And if we want to start a professional Fortnite team, I will be happy to. I, I don't, I don't play. I don't play Fortnite. So, <laughs> <laughs> Got out of them. Um, and another question from Sloth Astronaut: Has there ever been a study of how many times per game Chris Collins yells at assistants or the bench whenever a player does something boneheaded on the court? I do not have specific numbers on anything like that. All I know is that if we did have numbers on them, Robbie Barron would lead because every time Robbie makes one of a classic Robbie Barron mistakes. Chris Collins will yell Robbie at the top of his lungs. Like, I, that's, yeah. that's the main one. I really enjoy this question because one, I think we should do something like that or just try to do our best, situate someone behind the bench and just have them count. Because most games, I mean, when it comes to conference play, uh, Welsh Ryan will be a little bit louder, but most games you can usually hear what he's saying. And I know on their most recent game against NJIT, like you could hear everything Collins was saying to his team, especially uh, like that was on broadcast too. Like when when Boo put up a shot from almost the logo and airballed it, he just screamed Boo at the top of his lungs. Um, Some names are a lot more. He screamed too far, Boo, or something like that, and it was hilarious. Yeah, but, and to be fair, like that's 
yelling at guys during games it's not like collins is like there's like that that's how you coach generally like there's yeah, a lot of nothing, yelling. nothing unusual i just think it's i, I think it'll be interesting to see which players get yelled at most <laughs> um because it, it would give us some insight into i guess just like who's making the most mistakes on the court it's still realistically again it's not the most mistakes but robbie's like again i've said this about robbie Marin before he only makes fantastic plays or horrible ones like robbie makes either an off movement three or he completely forgets a rotation and it's a wide open three for the other team it's yeah nothing. i think i think robbie's probably i agree with you i think robbie's probably it, the guy it's just, the his time. mistakes are painful because they're always ones where like oh, he just forgot he yeah just forgot. And it's just very hard where it's like you know if if Boo takes a, a shot, it's a little too tough. It's like, yeah, it's fine. It's like it was a bad shot, but next play, next play. Robbie's are like, oh no, now, now the game is in danger because Robbie forgot to tie his shoes and something like that. Yes, that is. Yeah, true. I, all I will say is, like, there's nobody I'm rooting harder for than Robbie Barron on this team. Like, I, I just want Robbie Barron to succeed and be happy. Like that's that. I want. Yeah, I think I'm, I mean, I don't know if I relate to that, but I still think he is good. Like, I still think as frustrating as, and sometimes Robbie gets a lot of criticism for like plays and things, but I still think he generally is a good player. You know, honestly, there, I mean, do we want to talk about how the team, men's basketball team, it looks at least okay so far? I, I actually do want to talk about that because I, I to talk about that. Let's do it. <laughs> look, I am, I've said it before. I'll say it again. I am, I, I am a fan of this team. I have been a fan of this team. I have seen them be absolutely terrible. I don't think I've seen this level of talent like throughout the roster since they made the tournament in 26, like 2017. And granted, they haven't played anyone. Like they're still making boneheaded mistakes. They really haven't played anyone all that good. I think the DePaul game, which is on this Saturday. So I think this podcast is coming out after that will be a huge test for them. I, th- I think we'll get it. After. I think if we can, if we can get out of DePaul with a win, we will be at least undefeated until Michigan state on January 3rd. I don't know how – I mean, Michigan State's look good. They haven't – they've looked beatable. And, again, like this is the same Northwestern team that's made these boneheaded mistakes, and they should have beaten Wake Forest. Um, I don't think they could have beaten Providence. But, like, I think they have the talent to be a bubble team. And the good thing so far is that, unlike last year, they have not lost to any team they should have lost. They should have, like – Exactly. All teams, like, they were scheduled to beat, they've beaten. Yeah. Um, which is, you know, it's – that's – obviously a plus but you got to have those like you gotta you gotta start somewhere you gotta start so yeah Friday morning um so i don't know it's gonna be we'll we'll see what happens i i think if you can escape non-con play and you can you can remain undefeated till conference play really kicks up you have a like a decent shot i think i mean i'm looking at the rest of the big 10 like they have a decent chance at having a winning record or at least winning nine games and if you win nine games and win like one or two games in a tournament, like you're in a decent spot there, especially because yeah, you're in the big time. Definitely. All I can I say. Think, oh, wait, Ben, you go, you go. Yeah. Let me ask Mac this question because this is oh, what I care about as a college basketball fan. I grew up on Kansas basketball. Um, so arenas and atmospheres and, and, and things like that are like what I seek out in college basketball. I think it's the biggest difference uh, between like, the enjoyability of college basketball from the enjoyability of the pro game is that I think the atmospheres brought by college basketball are absolutely insane when we're good. And I look at video from, obviously there's the Michigan game versus Northwestern that 2017 season, but then there's the game, the home game that happened after that against Purdue on CBS. Um, Do you think like, what's it going to take for Welsh Ryan, the new Welsh Ryan to kind of experience that, level of 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 just technic craziness i just call it craziness for the first time it's a good question because i mean we haven't seen that level of craziness yet at the new Wells shrine the closest i can think was when i think i think it was the inaugural season they were playing there so 2018-19 they had michigan here that was the michigan team that had like mo wagner and jordan Poole. um who's lighting it up for, I don't know if he's still lighting it up for the Warriors, but he's been hey, Jordan, Jordan's, Jordan's good. Jordan's good. Yeah, Jordan is, yeah, good NBA player. Um, But, you know, that was the game where they were within two within the last 30 seconds, and Ryan Taylor put up a three at the buzzer and, it, like, hit off the glass and bounced off the rim and missed. And they lost, like, 62 to 60 or something like that to, like, a number. I think they were, Michigan was number two at the time. 
and the students at that game were sitting down in the student section. They weren't standing. They weren't like, even in, I mean, in crunch time, I think they stood up, but like, I think the atmosphere starts and ends with the students and it depends on student turnout. And I understand students not wanting to show up to watch a terrible basketball team. Like that makes sense to me. I understand it. But like, if the team is good, you got to be behind that team. Yeah. I mean, I think, it's how they got like the atmosphere for the famous Derek Parting shot was that people understood. It was basically understood if they win that game, they're going to the tournament. Yeah. And I, I mean, part of it, like I, w- I remember this question reminded me of an op-ed that I wrote earlier in June. That was about why Welsh, the new Welsh Ryan, I mean, the new Welsh Ryan is great, but in terms of an atmosphere, they made it, this is going to sound weird, but they, I think they made it too comfortable and the seats are small. But like they, it doesn't encourage people to, like just like get loud. Like it's just like a weird. I don't know what it is about it. No, but like, is it that? Is it, is it a chicken and the egg situation though? Like I, I, I feel like it maybe be. it's. What I could say is this: is like all of my studies of stadium architecture and 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 this stuff of which I have weirdly done like a lot because I just like. I want to know what makes arenas loud. Like Allen Fieldhouse is super loud yeah. because it has a low roof. Walsh Ryan is a very low roof. Like the the the, the propensity for for that being a, a difficult place to play is high. Should the turnout like I, I so wish it was on campus. I so wish it was where like the soccer yeah. field is. Because yeah, if it was I, on campus, I mean the on campus thing is the big thing for me. The on campus thing is such a big deal. Um that said, there was like pretty good student turnout at most of the football games stay yeah. for some of the home ones at the end but like it, even for it, that, does, it does help that that's a saturday every time yeah but like most like at least half of the home games in the winter will be on saturdays hopefully yeah and i think they i want to say purdue's a weekend um although i might be wrong on that i mean maybe they're away game against purdue's a weekend look i, I mean like Student turnout is definitely one of the things that starts it. I, I, I don't, it doesn't help. I, I'm not a fan of the Wilson club. I've said it before. I'll say it again. The Wilson club is a terrible idea. Um, it's really just there to make the university more money at Correct. the end of the day. And like, it should be like those lower section seats should be for fans who are going to like people who, who buy Wilson club tickets. It's a, it's like an absurd amount of money per season. Um, at least to me as a college student, but like, and they don't show up to half the games. Like that section is half empty. And when you have an, when you have a half empty section that close to the court, it just doesn't reflect well on your, like on your fan base. And obviously Northwestern is a smaller fan base. Um, and it has a lot of older alumni. So like it's bound to be a quieter atmosphere, but like, it's just not a good, it's, it doesn't reflect well. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. I feel like it's just like based off of what I've seen, and soccer games in the fall. And like, I just think like, there's been like a thirst for, for maybe college sports and, 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 and to attend yeah. events, large, like, like large groups of people, which I understand for college students. And I agree that it starts and ends with the students. So I'm trying to think how good this team's gonna have to be for those student sections to be full during conference play. And like, I guess the question is how far in a conference play would Northwestern have to get looking like a tournament team for those student sections to be full and my idea is probably like by February if they go the entire month of January and they've won half or more of their games which I haven't looked at the schedule so maybe that's plausible maybe that's not given who they play I think that the month of February at Walsh Ryan Arena could be incredibly fun yeah um, and that that you can see an atmosphere that you just haven't seen there and I'm really hoping that that's the case because i think a college game like i think like i've seen it happen where a a, a better team or a team that's playing better loses a game because it just gets difficult and pro players are are composed generally um and i think it just happens in any sport but i i i want to see it happen i really want to see it happen yeah i agree with that and i think i mean you bring up like at the end of January, they have a string of games. I think they play like Purdue, Michigan, and Illinois, yeah. three games in a row. I'm I'm going to say right. I fully expect all three of those games to be losses. I think Illinois picked up their, you know, they fixed their stuff a little bit. Um, I think their game against if you can, if you Rio can, Grande Valley woke them up. Or you if, say, if you can like just get somehow get a win over Michigan or Illinois, that would be huge. Just like oh, Sunday, yeah. 
they're they're not going to beat they're not going to beat Purdue. No, they're not. Um, I'm looking at their schedule, by the way, and I think this is college Purdue. basketball. Where's where's the John Rothstein quote? It was, it was a, yeah, for uh, real. Like stuff happens. Right now, according to Ken Palm, they're projected to go 19 and 12 and 11 and 9 in Big Ten play, which that's that, a tournament. That's, that's a, a tournament. That, that, that's that's a, that's an 11 seed. Ken Palm also really likes Northwestern, at, and they have them at 39. I think it's it's probably they like them they, lo- they just love the they do love the Big Ten. They love they, the Big Ten. Yeah, I mean, because the Big Ten is very few forward. bad teams. Like Big Indiana's 27th. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, there's no Nebraska's the only team. Oh no, Rutgers is below 100. The Rutgers is 101st. Nebraska is 125th. They have a string, but against they they played after that that three three game string against Purdue, Michigan, and Illinois. They then followed up with Rutgers, Nebraska, and Indiana. I think you can go 500 and that's six game stretch. I think you need to. I think that's going to be it's end of January, beginning of February is when that turnaround is. So I think if you can go at least three and three in that six game stretch. Like that bodes well for the rest of your conference play. And again, like that's what we said is the key is like just been, yeah, they haven't, you would have liked to see them get that win over Wake Forth, but at least so far they have not dropped any games where it's like, oh my gosh, how did you drop that? They, yeah, they know we haven't seen taken care of business, you know, barring like barring in a horrible loss to Illinois Springfield, who's a division two team or like Prairie View AM. Like those are their last two non con games where it'd be like, how did they like that's ridiculous yeah i guess also is this expectations though like like were were we expecting them to lose they basically won every game they should have won plus maryland like going into the season i'm just saying it well that's what i'm saying in seasons prior they've dropped games where it's like they dropped games where it's like how did you lose that game you should not have lost that game well right sometimes it's just sometimes you get merry macked and 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 Happen, happens happens Radford. Well, Radford. Radford. Yeah, Radford's bad. Yeah. Mac, I'll, I'll, I was really like obviously it didn't get used, and I'm happy it didn't get used, but but when they were losing to New Orleans, and there was, I was so I was so worried, dude. Losses to so Merrimack and Radford. And, yeah, that I mean, I was so worried. I don't even know where I found that that I found it on Twitter a few years ago. So I think somebody photoshopped it and saved it. I, um, I was just gonna say like the club close out here like going back to the arenas thing like i just know personally like, i think i think there is a charm to like sometimes having worse arenas that it's just very hard to play in them like as a road team it's not fun like my least favorite place to play when i was in high school is there was like a gym where the three-point lines did not go all the way to the corner it was such a small court and like there'd actually be like snacks spilling onto the court it was awful but like you know, hated playing there. It was in, and there were always a ton of people. It was like packed. That's what that's what Welsh Ryan needs. It, it was a tiny room. room. That's what Welsh Ryan was. It looks like it was a tiny room packed with too many people, in which you just slipped over the whole time against another team that was also good. But it just felt like it was horrible to play there because you just were like, I don't like this court. I don't like this arena as a visiting yeah. team. And look, the old Welsh Ryan Arena. If we're talking about that, I. I mean, you know, I watched. The, I was at the last game there. I was at the Purdue game. I was at the Michigan game with the Taphorn Departen. Um, maybe that is why I have such an affinity for it because I saw all those games there. I, I am, I am not going to say I like the the old arena more than the new one. I, I far enjoy the new one more in terms of amenities, in terms of like everything. It's far more just comfortable. But it, I just think we haven't seen a good enough team play in the new arena yet to the point where I'm like, I enjoy watching basketball there. The comments that people make on the new Welsh Ryan are the same comments that people in Los Angeles made about the new Poly Pavilion, which is that it's like, like it's too nice for a college basketball arena. And they made those comments until UCLA got good again with the new Poly in effect. And then the new Poly was full and it was loud and it was like the old Poly in the ways people liked, but not like the old Poly in the ways people didn't. Yeah. So like that, this is why I ask all that because I'd like yeah. it to be similar in that sense. I'd like it to be loud, but also nice. Like, I, I think those two things aren't unreasonable. I, I mean, like, I, I don't think niceness is, is part of a home court advantage stadium. Like, I think people don't like playing at Ryan field as it is right now, because I can't imagine it's like, a, a, like a, a fun player experience for a road no, team. Yeah, I um, so I, I just think that 
I, I, I want, I think Welsh Ryan has potential. I, that's, that, that, that's what I say. When I look at Welsh Ryan arena, I see potential for a nice college basketball arena and I yeah. want to see it. Fulfilled. And I mainly want to see this team make the tournament. And I think the only way that it gets fulfilled is if this team makes the tournament. So that has been my long rant about arenas and Welsh <laughs> Ryan and Western making the tournament. I think we're going to move on here. We just got, I just want to fire off two. We're going to wrap up here soon, but like two questions here near the end. Are there any efforts being made to move the Indiana game scheduled for September 3rd? It's been reported that the team is staying Saturday and Sunday night in Dublin after the Nebraska game. This is from, I think, B-W-E-I-M-B. B-Y-M-B. B-Y-M-B. I would say not that we know of. <laughs> yeah, Not that we know of. I- here, two things I will say. A, I'd be like, I don't know what those reports are. I don't know if that's coming from The Rock or, or some other stuff. Northwestern, and as far as I've seen it, gets out. Like, they, they, they play their game and they leave um, wherever they are. Like, even when it's a bowl game, like, they do their stuff before. So I'd be really surprised if to open the season, they weren't. I, I could see them spending Saturday night because why wouldn't they? But like, I don't know why they would be spending two extra days. Yeah. In Dublin. And that's, I mean, what is, what's the flight to Dublin? Not sure. <laughs> like, I, I just don't see that happening. So yeah. unless those reports are veritable, I wouldn't believe them until it happens. Also, conference schedules and college football schedules as a whole are generally not movable by more than a day. Um, yeah, if this, was like a, if this was like they had got scheduled a bye game with someone like Indiana State, I would say, I don't know, but no, a conference game, yeah, they're not going to be. But no, I would also just say, that like, yeah, it's not ideal. There have been much worse scheduled starts than this. Like this is like not pleasant, but you have a week. It's against again a conference games, and you're playing in Dublin. Like I think they're going to be fine. Like I, I was, I was looking at this because it reminded me of this was the worst scheduled start in human history. Was uh, I forget which it might have been 2017 Hawaii or 20 Hawaii like in week zero went to Australia and played Cal, lost 51 31. Then six days later, went at Michigan and lost 63 to three. Hawaii, who's already has like the worst time situation in all of college football due to the massive difference, went to Australia, then went to Ann Arbor, Michigan in like a six day period. Like, I, that's a person I'm like, who scheduled that for those poor kids at Hawaii? Yeah, that was terrible. People who are interested in making money. This is that, that, that's criminal. Like, like, Hawaii probably got a bag to play that Michigan game. And they also probably got a bag to play that Australia game. So it's not like, like, like if the two were like, if, if it was take it or leave it, I understand why I got done. I don't think that I, I both don't think that the team is going to stay an extra night in Dublin. I also don't think the game's going to get moved. If it does get moved, it would probably get moved. If September 3rd is a Saturday, which I assume it is to a Sunday, because the NFL season hasn't started yet. And occasionally that happens, but yeah. I would, I, 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 I doubt I doubt the reports. I like imagine being a two-star linebacker for that Hawaii team. You've already like your schedule's already all of like you travel all the way to Australia, lose by Cal pretty hand to Cal pretty handily. Then just a few days later, you see a five-star Michigan tackle sprinting straight at you after like you're like haven't slept in three days in, in, front, in the big house in front of a hundred thousand people. Like that that at is just gotta go to Australia though. I mean, like that's pretty cool. Yeah, like Australia is cool, but still <laughs> like like man like that's that's just so no, that, that's I, a brutal turnaround i, I never got over it. it was the it was the most like criminal thing i've ever seen i, I didn't even knew that i didn't even know that happened can't so. be more brutal than play like where is hawaii played this year because it's not hawaii like it's not their stadium their stadium was like i think architecturally condemned well um, but it was yeah, yeah i don't know where their new football well i mean they're playing in the hawaii bowl again like they do every year against memphis on christmas eve always a, always a good one good good go, good for memphis Oh, no, yeah. I remember here, I was listening to a podcast about that. We were talking about, like, because the teams, like, go to the Hawaii Bowl, Bowl, and the team that goes to the Bahamas Bowl, like, it's not the conference winner. So it's like, do you think those teams ever think about just, like, purposely dropping a game once they're bowl eligible to get down to the Bahamas Bowl? Like, I don't know. Maybe. You go to the Bahamas instead of, like, what? I don't know. Somewhere in Texas? I would much rather go to the Bahamas than, like, Montgomery, Alabama. Or I don't think it's Montgomery. I think it's Birmingham. Birmingham or mobile. There was a mobile. There was a bowl in mobile. I know. The the worst one was the Birmingham Bowl. The one in the Birmingham Bowl. The one in I don't know. I get all my Alabama cities mixed up. The one in Shreveport, the Independence Bowl. Shreveport, Louisiana. That's a fun one. There's that one. There's the one at Ford Field. Yeah. 
the pinstripe bull that we kept hoping Northwestern would somehow squeak into if they did make a bowl game, so it'd be easier. No, they had to add a bowl game this year to accommodate all the six and six teams. Oh, yeah, the Frisco Classic, right? Frisco Football Classic between North Texas and Miami. Go Red Hawks. Um, Go go Mean Green. That's... My dad went to Miami, so I gotta, I gotta, I gotta give the, the Red Hawks thing. You said my, there was one more question, Dan. I also, I was just saying, my mom went to Kent State, and when she played there, she said that Miami was like the worst place to travel to. She said it sucked. <laughs> it was basically her synopsis. <laughs> and uh, yeah, just one last one. Is it understood that Jim O'Neill is, is just trying to recreate Hank Wood's defense, and that was mandated mandated by Fitz after the bye? If the three four is O'Neill's system, why not just try to switch recruit into it? I.e., get a nose tackle via the portal should be easier for the free player movement now. Yeah, they were. I, I know that after the bye, they they switched. They at least tried to switch back, at least in some part. To yeah, per, per per source. Um, but I I don't know if that's the plan going forward. I don't know if it's going to be like a hybrid model. I don't think you can fully like. Uh, you can't be Hank without being Hank, probably, right? Um, like I don't think, and I don't think Jim O'Neill is the type of guy to just like walk in somewhere and do someone else's plan. Um, it doesn't seem like it. Um, if the three four system, if three four is O'Neill system, why not just try switch recruiting to it? I I don't know if it's they're not trying. It might just be that they're not succeeding. <laughs> um, like I I I I don't have very much to say about what what the intentions and plan is with Jim O'Neill's defense right now, other than that it doesn't seem clear that there is one, um, and yeah. there hasn't seemed clear that there has been one since he got there, other than to incorporate more pro style two gap schemes um, as opposed to a one gap. Um, that's all I got to say on that. <laughs> yeah, I just. I, I would just generally say like this is a maybe a kappa answer. I, I don't know how much like there were certainly scheme issues, but I also thought a lot of it was just personnel issues that they just didn't seem like a very talented defense. Again, like how many times do we say like wow, like how many times was it that someone beat a Northwestern player to the edge or just looked like the line was getting moved or as Braylon Allen said, did they didn't seem interested in tackling me? Like it just seemed like the like the talent overall in the defense following all those seniors graduating or player other players transferring guys like Eku Leona, like just, it just felt like they, there was not a lot of standout talent. Like I thought, I still think BJ is a standout talent. And I think Adetanyo Adabare is a standout talent. That was about it. I did not think any, never, there was no one else on the defense. I'm like, wow, what a, what a player that is. That was uh, the most brutal quote I've ever read after standing outside in, in, in what was not great conditions Mac, you, you want to add anything here? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I largely agree with what you guys are. It, it's just, I think it's, it's tough to tell right now. Like Ben said, like we can, we know they at least tried to re-implement Hankowitz's scheme after the bye week at like to some degree. Um, but like where this is going to go. Yeah. It, like it does seem like it could be easier with all these players transferring to like recruit for a three, four. Um, but I, I, I mean, to be honest, I think there's like a little bit of like, like we know, we know Fitz doesn't like to let go. Like he, he doesn't like change. Um, like I was doing a lot. Of, I mean, a lot of people don't. <laughs> a lot of people don't like change. Yeah, Fitz is not the only one. But like, like I mean, I don't know if this is necessarily comparable. But like, we saw how long McCall stayed. McCall stayed after he should have gone. I mean, maybe Fitz is still wanting to hang on to that that hope and dream of like, like how just how good Hankowitz was. And I don't think he expected to get that from O'Neill. Um, I don't think anyone did. Like we, we know, we knew O'Neill's track record um, was like it wasn't anything special. It was probably not even like it was. It wasn't very good. Um, if we're being honest, so like I don't know what he expected from him. I I mean I don't know if he wants him to you know switch back to Hank with the scheme entirely. But it seems right now they're sort of stuck in some sort of limbo where players are just not sure what's going on. And that's what's causing the just confusion on the, that we saw on the field. That's a great point because the players being unsure is the worst thing you can have. Like if you're at least exactly. not going to be a great scheme, like there needs to be like, you know, like I, I've seen I've seen defenses before. Where it's like yeah, they're not good. Not maybe the scheme isn't great, but like even if like the scheme is just everyone's going downhill, flying everywhere, like and you're getting beat deep, but you're at least like on the same page. Like it did not seem like there was one cohesive plan throughout the year. Like I'm trying to think of any games where they. Like, again, probably the best defensive game plan they had and one that worked best was, like, 
the first half against Michigan. And like generally, because again, that, that was obviously a great Michigan team they were playing and they at least like gave them trouble or made, they made that Michigan team have to work to beat them eventually. Yeah. Which is something. At least, at least defensively. Offensively it, was. It's we still amazing there. that they lost that game, what, seven to 33. And I think we could all agree it was probably their best loss of the last six, the last half of the season. Like, yeah, I'd agree. I, I think Purdue was a pretty. The good. offense was better against Purdue because the offense at least showed signs of life against Purdue. Yeah. I, but like, yeah, those were the only two. The Purdue and Michigan losses in which they lost both pretty handily were the only two games where it was like, oh, yes, there was there was some respect showed in this defense. Yeah, and I, the Purdue game, it had a, it, I, it's safe to say it had its ups and downs. I mean, like you had signs of life, but then you also had Andrew Marty getting sacked four times in a row. Like, which is, I, I, and I was, I was, as I was, well, I don't think I've ever seen that happen before. Like, I, I don't know. I've seen it happen in like NC. I've seen it happen like an NCAA 14 four times in a row where I just yeah. call the same. <laughs> but like, I, that is, that's something like, I think that's a true like rarity. I don't know if there are stats tracking that, but it's got, that's got to be a true rarity in college football and in football in general. What do you even say if you're the offensive line at that point when you go back to the sideline? Do you just I look at each other like, I have no well, idea. We, we completely failed on that, that series. We failed to protect the quarterback on any of our snaps. Oh, man. What a, yeah. what, what a team. Anything else? No, I think that's that's about it. Uh, yeah, so thank you all for listening. Uh, happy Adam Scott Frost Day. Yeah, again, happy Frost Scott Frost Day. Happy, um, well, I was going to say happy, but by the time you're listening to this, Justin Herbert will have already defeated the Chiefs like 42 Shut up. Shut up. And by the time you're listening to this, Patrick Mahomes will have remembered who he was. Mark my words. And without Rashawn Slater. As, as Ben's audio cuts out with the infamously bad Los Angeles Wi-Fi. <laughs> it's some about these hills. <laughs> Failed. All right, but yeah, thank you all for listening. I've been Daniel Olinger. That has been Max and Ben Chasen. Uh, yeah, and I don't. Maybe we'll do this again. Hope just leave us your feedback on how this, you like the podcast format. And yeah, uh, thank you all for listening. See ya. See ya.